Today we're reading from 2 Timothy chapter 4, starting at verse 9. Is that okay? Thank you. Um, could you turn to page 1197 if you're using the Bibles in front of you, or turn to it on your phone, ready for when Andrew is speaking to us as well. Thank you. So Paul's personal remarks to Timothy. Do your best to come to me quickly. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and gone to Thessalonica. Crescent has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, because he's helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. When you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas and my scrolls, especially the parchments. Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. You too should be on your guard against him because he strongly opposed our message. At my first defence, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. And I was delivered from the lion's mouth. The Lord will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory for ever and ever. Amen. Greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus stayed in Corinth, and I left Trophimus ill in Miletus. Do your best to get here before winter. Eubulus greets you, and so do Prudence, Linus, Claudia, and all the brothers and sisters. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you all. Thank you, Val. Good morning. My name's Andrew, I'm part of the preaching team at the Bab Bar, and um, as um, Bal said at the beginning of the reading, we've been looking at this second letter to Timothy, and this is the last sermon in the series today. It would be great if you had that passage open in front of you. Uh, so if you're looking at, if you're using the church Bibles, please turn to, turn to page 1197. It'll make a big difference to me and to you if you've got the passage open in front of you, please. Page 1197. And the title of the sermon is going to come up. There it is. Beware gospel deserters and opponents. This is Paul finishing the letter, saying the, the things he wants to say to Timothy before he stops writing. Um, and the title is Beware gospel deserters and opponents. Let's pray together. Father, thank you that we have your word in our hands. Please take our lives into your hands and speak into them. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Paul is in prison and he's in Rome and he knows he's going to die soon. He knows that the time is drawing near when he's going to die. Look back at verse 6 of this chapter. It says, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering and the time for my departure is near. He knows he's going to die. And Timothy 
is a friend of Paul's, and Timothy is in Ephesus in Turkey. He's a church leader in Turkey, in Ephesus. And Paul is writing this letter to Timothy to help him to be faithful to the gospel in his church leadership. Not to get distracted from the really important thing, which is that the gospel needs to be clear. The gospel is that Jesus died for our sins so that we could be forgiven. And he rose again. That's good news. It's good news for everybody. We can be forgiven through what Jesus did when he died on the cross. That's the gospel. And Paul is saying to Timothy in this letter, be faithful to the gospel. Hold on to the gospel. Preach the gospel. And now he's winding up this letter. We're going to see some things that are very personal to Paul here, but they apply to us too. So let's be open to the Holy Spirit as we look at this passage together. Can I ask that we do two things at once? While you are listening and reading, please also be talking to God. You can be talking to God now and asking him to speak to you. And while I'm speaking now, I can be praying for you. As I see people I recognize and people I don't recognize, I can be asking God to bless you and to speak to you through his word. It's exciting. The Holy Spirit is here. He's at work. Firstly, in verses 9 to 13, Paul is experiencing terrible loneliness. Terrible loneliness. Verse 9, Do your best to come to me quickly, Timothy. For Demas, because he loved this world, has deserted me and has gone to Thessalonica. Crescens has gone to Galatia and Titus to Dalmatia. It doesn't mean that all those people had deserted the gospel. I think they'd gone on gospel work apart from Demas, verse 10. He loved this world. The things that this world offers became more important to Demas than the good news about Jesus. And so Demas didn't just turn his back on Paul he turned his back on the gospel. And Paul is lonely. He says in verse 9, do your best to come to me quickly. Please come and visit me, Timothy, so I can see you before I die. Verse 11, only Luke is with me. For Get Mark and bring him with you, because he is helpful to me in my ministry. I sent Tychicus to Ephesus. At the mark that Paul mentions there in verse 11, get Mark and bring him with you. Mark is the one that Paul had some difficulty with when Paul was on his missionary journey and he found that Mark maybe wasn't very reliable. Well, that's all sorted now. Mark has grown in his faith and Paul now knows that Mark is going to be a real help to him if Mark can come along with Timothy. Mark is the one who wrote the gospel of Mark. Um, If you came to see the Mark drama two weeks ago, did anyone come to see the Mark drama two weeks ago? Yes, four or five people came. That's wonderful. (laughs) Mark is the one that wrote that gospel that we saw acted out for us two weeks ago. So he's saying, come to me soon, Timothy, and bring Mark with you. Verse 13, when you come, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus at Troas, and my scrolls, especially the parchments. The scrolls and parchments, I don't know, maybe the scrolls are um, books of the Old Testament written down. Maybe the scrolls, maybe one of the scrolls is Mark's gospel written down. Mark had already written his gospel when Paul wrote this letter. 
And maybe one of the scrolls is Luke's gospel written down. Uh, Paul says in verse 11, only Luke is with me. Luke is the, is the guy that wrote Luke's gospel, and Luke had already written his gospel by the time Paul wrote this letter. And Luke was already thinking and planning to write the book of Acts. And in my opinion, he was thinking about writing an, a third book in the New Testament, but I'm not going to go into that now. So Paul is saying, bring the parchments, bring the scrolls. But he's saying he's lonely. Verse 9, do your best to come to me quickly. He's lonely. He's not being super spiritual. He's not saying, well, obviously, there aren't any people here apart from Luke, but I'm fine because I've got Jesus. He has got Jesus, but he needs people. He needs other people around him who are going to support him. We do. We all of us need that. And Paul is experiencing terrible loneliness. And you know what loneliness is like, don't you? All of us here sometimes experience loneliness. Some of us here experience loneliness a lot of the time. It's even possible to, to experience loneliness when you're in a congregation like this. A large group of people, you can feel lonely. Paul experienced loneliness. And so he's asking Timothy to come and visit him. Uh, let me tell you some people that particularly experience loneliness, and that is church leaders. I think church leadership is sometimes a very lonely job. I mean, Paul is lonely here because he's in prison. But all church leaders, sometimes they feel very exposed and sometimes they feel lonely. We need to pray for our church leaders. I'm not saying this because I have any inside information about our church leaders. I'm just saying I know that church leaders are sometimes really lonely. We need to pray for them. We need to encourage them. We need to pray for our ministers, Jonathan and Chris. We need to pray for our elders. We need to pray for our staff team. We need to pray for the people that lead different ministries within the church and support them. You could send a card to somebody just saying, I thank God for you and I'm praying for you. Or next time you see one of these people I've just mentioned, you could stop and say, I just want to say thank you for what you do. That will encourage them. Terrible loneliness. And all of us sometimes are lonely and we need to reach out to friends. Just like Paul is reaching out to Timothy and, and say, let's spend time together. Let's go out for a coffee. Let's go for a walk together. Terrible loneliness. That's what Paul's experiencing. Secondly, in verses 14 and 15, strong opposition strong opposition. Verse 14, Alexander the metal worker did me a great deal of harm. The Lord will repay him for what he has done. Now, we don't know anything about Alexander except that he's a metal worker. There are Alexanders mentioned in the New Testament, but they're not necessarily the same Alexander. Alexander apparently was a really common name in the first century. So the Alexander in 1 Timothy chapter 1 verse 20 and the Alexander in Acts chapter 19, verse 33, probably not the same Alexander as this one. We know that Alexander was a metal worker, so he enjoyed hitting things. 
And maybe he enjoyed hitting people who preached the gospel. He didn't like the good news about Jesus. You should be on your guard against him, verse 15, because he strongly opposed our message. Do you see that, the end of verse 15? He strongly opposed our message. He didn't just say, no, I don't believe that, I don't agree with it. He strongly opposed it. He said it's wrong. He didn't want Paul to preach it. He doesn't want Timothy to preach it. He tried to stop the gospel being preached. He, he said no to the gospel. Maybe he even stood up and said, Jesus is not the Son of God. Jesus didn't die on the cross for our sins. Jesus didn't rise again. He strongly opposed the gospel. And we shouldn't be surprised that there are some people who will strongly oppose the gospel. Who will say, no, I don't like that, I don't agree with that, I, I want it to stop being preached. Paul says, the Lord will repay him for what he has done, verse 14. That's talking about judgment day. There will be a judgment day. And God sees what we do. God sees our actions and there will be a judgment. But verse 15, we need to be on our guard. We need to be on our guard. We need to be listening. Are, is the gospel being preached faithfully? We've seen this all through this letter, that this letter is calling us again and again to be a gospel church and calling us again and again to be gospel Christians. Is a Baba church a gospel church? Is it clear? Let's make it clear. Let's pray that it will be clear. When visitors come, they will hear the good news about Jesus, that he died for our sins so that we could be forgiven, and then he rose again. It is great good news. Let's not get bored by that message. Let's be a gospel church. Let's live for that gospel. And let's be gospel Christians. Let's be praying for friends who are not yet believers in Jesus. Let's be praying. Let's be looking for opportunities to tell them about Jesus. But there will be strong opposition. So we need to pray. Timothy shouldn't be surprised when there is strong opposition. Paul is warning him it's going to happen. Terrible loneliness. Strong opposition. Thirdly, in verses 16 to 18, a faithful Lord. I love this paragraph. Just look at verse 16. At my first defense, that was when Paul was on trial, no one came to my support, but everyone deserted me. May it not be held against them. He felt very alone. But look at verse 17. But the Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. Here is Paul in a really tough situation on trial for preaching the gospel and he says, the Lord stood at my side. He didn't see the Lord, but the Lord was there. He knew the Lord was there. He felt the Lord was there. The Lord stood at my side and gave me strength. Isn't that wonderful? If you think that's wonderful, feel free to lift your heart now and thank God for the beginning of verse 17. It is wonderful. Jesus is a faithful 
Lord. He doesn't let his children go. He loves those. He loves everyone, but he loves those who have put their trust in him. And that's what Paul's experiencing what he experienced in verse 17. Look at the end of verse 17. I was delivered from the lion's mouth. He's not talking literally. There was no danger of Paul being thrown to the lions. But he was, he was rescued from death. He was rescued from execution. And he knew that was Jesus that did that. Because Jesus is a faithful Lord. And please look at the middle of verse 17. I love this. This is Paul's big passion. This is why he's excited about uh, uh, his faithful Lord. The Lord stood at my side, verse 17, and gave me strength so that through me the message might be fully proclaimed and all the Gentiles might hear it. That's what Paul wants. He wants to keep having opportunities to tell people the message about Jesus. That we can be forgiven because Jesus died on the cross for our sins. That's that's, That's what motivates Paul. And he had the opportunity at his trial to preach the gospel, to tell people about Jesus. And that's all because Jesus is a faithful Lord. And verse 18, it goes on, the Lord, this faithful Lord, will rescue me from every evil attack and will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. He'll bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. Paul is very confident about this. When he does die, and he is going to die fairly soon, he is going to be executed. He knows he's going to heaven to be with Jesus. The Lord will bring me safely to his heavenly kingdom. He doesn't say, when I die, I'm keeping my fingers crossed. He knows he's going to be with Jesus forever. Because he's trusting in Jesus, because Jesus is a faithful Lord. Can I just ask you, do you have that confidence that Jesus is a faithful Lord? It's wonderful. It's such good news. If I die today, I'm not, that's not, it's not my plan, but if I die today, I will go straight to heaven to be with Jesus. And I, I think it would be much preferable to standing here now but I'm, I'm not I am enjoying being here but you see what I'm saying it's wonderful and we can be sure that's the wonderful thing about the Christian faith is we are forgiven those of us who trust in Jesus we are forgiven not because of what we do for God but because of what God did for us when Jesus died I'll say it again so you have the opportunity to lift your heart in worship. As trusters in Jesus, we are forgiven not because of what we do for God, but because of what God did for us when Jesus died. Are you worshipping? Jesus is a faithful Lord. He died and rose again so that we can have that certainty We are safe in his hands. He's holding us fast and he will hold us fast forever. He's holding on to us. He'll never let us go. And Paul has that conviction and we can have that conviction too. Terrible loneliness, strong opposition, 
a faithful Lord. Fourthly, in verses 19 to 21, good friends. Verse 19, greet Priscilla and Aquila and the household of Onesiphorus. Erastus stayed in Corinth and I left Trophimus ill in Miletus. Do your best to get here before winter. There is a list of names there. Priscilla, Aquila, Onesiphorus, Erastus, Trophimus. These are people that Paul sees as friends. They may not be with him now, but they're friends. They matter to him and he knows that they love him and he knows that they're praying for him. It makes a difference. Goes on in verse 21. Eubulus greets you and so do Pudens, Linus, Claudia and all the brothers and sisters. Wow. He's remembering that he's part of a huge family because he's a believer in Jesus. Brothers and sisters. It's an extraordinary thing. When you put your trust in Jesus, when you turn from your sins and believe that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, when you put your trust in Jesus, you can call his father your father. And then all the other people who have done that are your brothers and sisters. We are family. We belong together. It's extraordinary. It's wonderful. So Paul is thanking God for good friends. And we need to help. We need to thank God for our good friends. And, and if you can think of one or two people maybe who are good friends to you, maybe they're in Southampton, maybe they're not, thank God for them. Let them know that you appreciate them. Tell them. If they're in Southampton, spend time with them. Good friends. And Paul says in the beginning of verse 21 to Timothy, do your best to get here before winter. Yes, come, verse 9, try and come before winter. I think Paul doesn't know how long he's got. Terrible loneliness, strong opposition, a faithful Lord, good friends, and lastly, in verse 22, an important prayer. I love this. An important prayer. Um, he says to P Timothy, the Lord be with your spirit. Now that's odd, because Jesus, um, Paul knows that Jesus is with Timothy all the time, because Timothy's a believer in Jesus. Of course Jesus is with him. I think when, when Paul says, the Lord be with your spirit, he's praying that Timothy will be aware that Jesus is with him. That he'll feel that Jesus is with him. I think that's what that prayer means, the Lord be with your spirit. We all need that. You a truster in Jesus? Do you experience his presence with you? If you don't, and sometimes I don't, and sometimes I do, if you don't, ask him. Let me experience your presence. Let me be aware of you this week, when I go through every day of this week, that you are with me, Lord Jesus. The Lord be with your spirit. And then the second half of verse 22, grace be with you all. Oh wow, look at the last word. All. But Paul's writing this letter to Timothy. Well, the last word tells us that Paul is expecting that other people are going to read the letter too. 
Normally, it's not okay to read letters that have been written to other people. But it is okay to read this one. Paul is expecting that other people are going to read this letter. In the first century and in the 21st century, people who are trusters in Jesus, people who've turned from their sins, put their trust in Jesus, believe that he died on the cross for their sins, and he's saying to them, and he's saying to us, grace be with you all, God's help, God's love, God's love that we don't deserve. Let you, no, he wants to pray, he's praying that we will experience that grace experience God's help. What situation are you in that's tough? Is your life hard at the moment? It may be something to do with illness or something to do with your family or something to do with people back at home if you're from another country. And sometimes you feel very lonely. You need God's grace, don't you? Well, let's be praying that for one another, that we will experience God's grace. Please just have a look at those five things on the screen there. I think this is great, the end of this letter. I think the whole letter is wonderful. Just have a look at those five things. Is the Holy Spirit speaking to you about one of those five things particularly? If it's loneliness, it may be that... You're lonely and you need to reach out to somebody and ask for help. Or it may be that the Holy Spirit is nudging you to get in contact with one of our church leaders or with someone else you know of who may be lonely and invite them out for a coffee. Or is the Lord speaking to you about, terror, about strong opposition, about the fact that we, you need to be faithful to the gospel? And you think, I haven't been faithful to the gospel recently. And I want to be a gospel Christian this week. Or is the Holy Spirit reminding you that Jesus is a faithful Lord? That he is with you. He's standing with you. He's giving you strength. And he will bring you home to glory one day. Or is he speaking to you, the Holy Spirit, about good friends? Reaching out to good friends, spending time with good friends, being a good friend to other people. Or is the Lord, is the Holy Spirit reminding you that this prayer is really important? Pray it, let's pray it for one another. What is the Holy Spirit saying to you? I wish I had a chance to hear your answers to that. If you have an answer, please come and speak to me after the service. I'd love to hear it. So let's give our lives again to Jesus. Let's go into this life trusting him. Let's do what Paul did. Believe that Jesus is a faithful Lord who always holds us fast, who will never let us go. And let's live for Jesus and live for his good news. And if we do that, we will experience joy. Let's pray. Just a very brief silence. Those five things are still on the screen. Just choose one of those and talk to the Lord in the silence about one of those five things, please, and then I'll lead us in a prayer.
Father, we thank you so much for the Apostle Paul. Thank you that you brought him to faith in Jesus, your son. And thank you for his, his, the, the energy you gave him as he went round and preached and proclaimed the good news. Thank you for the churches that came into existence. Thank you for the letters that Paul wrote that we have and that we've been reading one of this morning. Father, we praise you for this man and thank you for his example. And thank you that he knew that he had a faithful Lord. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are a faithful Lord to us. We praise you that you died so that we could be forgiven. We praise you that you rose again. We praise you that you're living in us by your spirit. Please send us out to live for you and to live for your gospel this week. And help us to remember that you will hold us fast and never let us go. The Lord be with your spirit. Grace be with you all. Amen.